Welcome, beautiful humans, to Empowered Sobriety. I am your host, Lindsay Fauna. And I'm your other host, Abigail Gerber. We are both trauma-informed life coaches in hopes of empowering individuals to see beyond their addiction and recovery into compassion, love, acceptance, and freedom. Empowered Sobriety is a podcast for those considering sobriety, are newly sober, or already living a sober life and wanting to up-level their growth in sobriety. Each week, we'll be dropping episodes discussing topics such as childhood traumas, PTSD, sober dating, and sober sex, how to enjoy the social scene, and is AA the only path to sobriety, plus so much more, along with bringing on other sober coaches that have done deep transformational work like we have We are also hoping to bring on anyone who feels called to be coached on air by us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Empowered Sobriety Podcast. We are coming to you really excited to talk about the inner child today, which we have brought up on a few podcasts, but we've actually never delved into it dove into it delve in, delved into it <laughs> <laughs> we have not dove into into inner child work inner child yeah yes and yeah. it is so pivotal to personal transformation work and i have been practicing it with somebody with me for a few years now and then i've been using it with clients in my practice, also used it a lot last year in Elementum Coaching Institute. Today, we're going to talk about that and talk about the ins and outs of what is the inner child? How do you work with it? How do you find it? Even if you don't remember some things from your childhood, how to heal from it and how to get into being more of a child in some practices. So that mm-hmm. you can connect on a deeper level. Right. How does that sound? Yeah. yeah. So for me, I had touched on inner child work in some of Christine's work. Also going to Christine Hassler's women's retreat in 2019. She does some work with that as well. The big emphasis on it, where I really, really dove into it and had a deeper understanding of what inner child work was, was through Elementum, which was the program that Abby and I went through all last year, which would be 2022. Yes. We are here to discuss what it was for us and also how you can also start to dive into some inner child work if it's something that you're curious or interested in. So without further ado, here we go. (laughs) Yes. Let me ask you, Abby, what is your understanding of inner child? Inner child is a concept that I don't think it was created by John Bradshaw, but John Bradshaw has written a number of books on the inner child. And one resource that you can look into is called Homecoming, Reclaiming, and Championing Your Inner Child. There are parts of us that are still stuck, 
just like we talked about in early in the episodes about the trauma cycle, when we encounter trauma, there are little parts of us that get stuck and they're still living back there. They're still in the house or they're still in some sort of environment. Mm -hmm. So to put it on me, there are parts of me as an infant, three years old, six years old, that still think that I am surrounded by a lot of anger and chaos. Mm -hmm. Not all of me and not all the time, but there are certain situations such as if I need to express my anger, somebody has trampled on a boundary of mine right. and I get angry. There is a little girl in there that is really scared to get angry because it wasn't safe for me to get angry. Mm -hmm. There's a mechanism that I have adopted and that is to suppress. Mm -hmm. So anytime any sort of anger comes up, there's a scared little girl in there. Mm -hmm. That would be a really good example. I also want to preface this by saying two things. One, you don't need to remember your childhood. Oftentimes uh, in trauma and very traumatic childhoods, you don't remember. And that's a beautiful protective mechanism. And that's okay. Mm. We'll talk about that throughout and how to work with that when you don't have specific memories because it's totally mm. fine and it's a very normal trauma response. And number two, I want to also give a lot of love to parents and caregivers because they did the best they could with the tools they had. With the work that we're all doing, you, me, our listeners, anybody that is interested in personal development work is we're healing generational trauma. And it's really important. And it starts with one person. And so there's no one to blame. There's no one to blame because I know for a fact that what happened to me happened if not twice as worse to my mom, mm -hmm. if not twice as worse to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my great-grandmother never even spoke about her childhood. Right. I, none of us know anything that happened about her childhood. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine what happened. I'm lucky enough that my mom has had some help. My aunt has had help. My cousin has had help. And so we as a family in different sections are healing that generational trauma. So I just want to preface that there's no one to blame. And with that, we still have healing to do. There were things that did happen to us and that the work that we're doing now is to ensure that we don't pass it on. Or if some of us, if some of the listeners do have children, it's an opportunity to repair. Absolutely. And inner child work is a great place to start the repair work, because it has to come from you first. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. if you have children, then you can start to repair what's been done, what's happened, because you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And now we're going to give you these incredible, incredible transformational tools. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Something that I just want to add in is when we speak to inner child, it is not one specific age. There are multiple oh, yeah. stages and ages 
that are within that inner child. So yes, just example wise, you could be in a argument or a discussion with your partner, with a parent, with a friend, with a boss, with someone in your life, and you can time travel in that moment because your inner child is being triggered in that conversation somehow, some way. You may time travel and behaviors that were created based on a protection mechanism when you were that age might come forward and be present. A lot of times that can look like almost acting like out of character is something that maybe someone would describe it as. And then afterwards, you feel uh, maybe shame or guilt about the interaction that you had or the way that you behaved or how you showed up. So that's just an example. Yeah. And I'm so happy you brought that up because I often work with parts that come up around infancy to like seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. One of my really good friends works a lot with her teenage years. Mm -hmm. So she she knows her 16-year-old quote unquote inner child has picked a lot of her boyfriends. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> Christine Hassler, our guru, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, talks about, I believe it was her seven and her 14-year-old mm -hmm. has picked men in her life. Yeah. Different ages can show up. I've also worked with my 25-year-old self. Mm -hmm. Or my dad died when I was 28. Mm -hmm. And so there's trauma frozen in that that I still get to work with. And yeah. so I get to work with myself 12 years ago and who I was mm -hmm. at that time. So it's, it's a process. Yeah. It's, a, it's a process. Yeah. And it comes up when it comes up. Mm -hmm. uh, Christine Hassler talks about this. When we're children, the first things to get stifled by society, the school system, our caregivers, et cetera, are our sensitivity, our intuition, and our creativity. And a lot of the inner child work is getting back to those really magical parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The trauma cycle and the trauma loop, the way that I, I look at it kind of crystallizes or hardens parts of ourselves. And through reconnecting to our sensitivity, our intuition, and our creativity through practices, that we get to heal, heal those parts that are stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. One of the things that when I was thinking about how I wanted to present this was, Lindsay and I always like to make things really personal for people. So everyone knows that we're a constant work in progress and we do not have everything solved. And one of the things that happened to me as a child a lot was the denial of my feelings, mm -hmm. the denial of what was actually happening caused mm -hmm. a lot of confusion. And I believe a lot of people can relate to this in that I've spoken a lot about this. Um, 
there was a lot of anger on one side of my family and then complete suppression in another side of my family. When I became angry, both sides didn't allow for that. Right. Everyone else was allowed to be angry and throw things and be violent, but not me. When my boundaries were trampled on, and a natural response would be to get angry and to say, hey, stop, enough, go fuck yourself, whatever age <laughs> that, mm-hmm. would, that response would come up, I was not allowed to do that. And so my anger was denied. My natural response was denied. That caused a lot of confusion. I even had an incident last year where, with a family member where they were trying to deny what actually was happening in my inner knowing. So one of those things that the intuition that was cut off really early, I was confused. I was like, I know that this is happening. I know that this situation is happening, but the person I'm talking to is acting as if nothing's happened. And so it caused confusion Mm -hmm. just last year. And I went to one of the master coaches and was like, I don't trust how I'm feeling. Like I'm really angry, but this person is acting like nothing's happened. So I, I, I was, I had a lot of confusion and mistrust in how I was feeling. And the master coach thankfully was like, no, you don't trust your environment. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what's happening, but you don't trust the environment. So we take that incident that happened just last year and pull it all the way back 40 years ago. That happened all the time to me as a child. Mm -hmm. A lot of the work of the inner child work is to acknowledge how you feel. Mm -hmm. Because our teacher, Preston Smiles, says you can't intervene in a world that you can't see. Really, step one is acknowledging. It's not blaming. There's a difference between, and maybe you can, I'll come up with an example. Maybe you can come up with an example. Mm-hmm. I grew up in anger. I grew, I, the class, it's the easiest one for me to pull from. I grew up in a lot of anger. There was violence around me. And then the next day, everyone would just be sitting around the pool, smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, laughing. Like nothing had happened. It was so weird. (laughs) So weird. Mm -hmm. But I know what happened. It was violent. It was this violent scene. People were throwing ashtrays, chasing people out of the house. So that would be acknowledging, yeah, that happened. It was really scary to be in that environment. Because at one point, your reality was being denied. Yes. Yeah. The pretending nothing happened is the denial of reality. Mm-hmm. I know people, I know I'm not the only one <laughs> that that yeah. happened too. <laughs> yeah. 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 For me, I would say something that has come up for me would be just the suppression out of fear and not even fear of 
repercussions or something, more so the fear of the unknown. So Mm. again, having an emotionally unavailable parent, there's a lot of question marks. There's no deep understanding. There's no deep knowing. There's no deep connection with this emotionally unavailable parent. So it's like, I'm standing here and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I step one step to the left or if I step one step to the right, if that's the right choice. So it was very much like, I just don't know. So I'm not going to say anything. What was shown to me was outbursts. So it was like building, 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 outbursts, building, 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 outbursts. Um, I was quiet, 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 outbursts, quiet, quiet, quiet. And I was, my outbursts were met with anger. So it was just very confusing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And starting inner child work is almost as if you're starting at that point of confusion. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't happen just one time. It happened multiple times. So you get an opportunity, even if you can't remember if you're three years old, four years old, five years old, can you remember when you were 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14, 15? Right. You can pick different points, but you don't have to remember all the way in infancy. And I think a big challenge for me when beginning inner child work was understanding how what I experienced at different ages was playing out in my adult life. So which behaviors Mm -hmm. and which safety strategies and responses in my adult life were a result of a trauma or an experience that my inner child had. So it was really about sifting through that. Yes. So when you were talking about your example, the word frozen Mm -hmm. came to mind because you couldn't move left. You couldn't move right. So you just didn't, you just didn't move. Mm -hmm. So to me, that signals like a freezing response. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that align? For part of my childhood? Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. where present day have you noticed that sort of response where an inability, is it maybe an inability to make a decision or scared to make a decision? (laughs) That was, yes, that was a part of my experience. I've gotten better at it, but definitely making no decision is better than making the wrong decision. Mm. How so? If you don't make a decision, then it's not wrong. And then what would happen if it's a wrong decision? Oh my gosh. It's like life altering, you know, if I make the wrong decision, then I'm wrong. I'm bad. Okay. Instead of it being like experiencing some guilt about making the wrong choice or wrong decision and saying like, okay, so I made the wrong choice, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Mm -hmm. I go straight to shame and like over flooding shame Mm -hmm. of like, you're, you're so bad. Like you're bad. 
for making the wrong decision or making a mistake or, you know, oh, it's yeah. like, it's very intense. Yes. Yes. I, I definitely have that as well. Mm-hmm. Intense shame when I make a mistake. Mm-hmm. To cover up the shame for me was to cover up the terror I felt in making a mistake. I was just Absolutely. really scared to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So in that way, you can look at shame as helpful mm-hmm. because it helps you to not make a wrong move. Yeah. It helps you to not feel that terror or extreme fear that some mm-hmm. of us felt as children. Thank you for, for going into that a little bit, yeah. a little bit deeper. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So working with the inner child really important is to, if you have a picture of yourself as a young person and it can be any age, and if you don't have any picture of yourself as a young person is uh, to draw and to draw a picture of yourself in your non-dominant hand. That's a beautiful way because sometimes people don't have pictures and that's totally fine. We can still work with that. So the first step, what we just talked about, is to acknowledge. Is to acknowledge that this happened. That it was, that you were confused. Your environment was confusing. The messaging that you got was really confusing. It was really scary. You had to hide. You had to shut down. You had to go somewhere else in your head. So many, so many options that your brain chose to keep you safe in the environment that you're living. And so we just acknowledge that this happened. Again, there's no blame. There's no sense of victim either because it's just, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. This -hmm. is what happened. Really want to emphasize that it is not about blaming. No. Especially when we are adults. We have a level of responsibility to ourselves and to our inner child. This is now ours. Yes. This is now ours to work with, to heal, to reparent, and to navigate on our own. This is not about blaming the adults that were present or our parents or our caregivers. This is our work. Yes. Oh, so powerful. It's so, it's such powerful responsibility, Mm -hmm. self-responsibility. It's almost as if you're not cutting ties with your family or your caregivers, but you're cutting those energetic cords that keep you stuck. Yes. So you create a boundary and you acknowledge, okay, this is my work now. This is Mm -hmm. what I get to do, which is super important. Thank you so much for putting that. And then step number two, which has been so transformational in my work is to validate. Much like acknowledge that this happened, but to, to validate your own experience, to validate how you felt as a child. Mm -hmm. Through some coaching that I had last year, plus work with a particular type of therapist. The pivotal work I've noticed is when I validated that little girl 
And oftentimes, our inner children will come to us visually. You'll feel them in your body, somatically in your your body. So you'll have some sort of sensation, and oftentimes in your stomach, your heart, your chest, your jaw. Those are just like kind of like main points, but you can really feel them any like your left shoulder blade. I feel sometimes too. They'll come to you in visions. And oftentimes I'll remember what I dress like in my school pictures and I'll Mm -hmm. kind of do like a Rolodex. If some people know what Rolodex is. (laughs) (laughs) Our 60 plus crowd knows what those are. (laughs) 25 year old crowd may not. (laughs) So I'll kind of flip through in my mind my school pictures, and then I'll land on something that seems a little bit like, oh, okay, this is probably when I was 12 years old and I was having a lot of trouble in school. I had a real difficult teacher, things like that. So I'll validate, like I'll go in and see myself in the classroom, for example, and I had broken, I'd actually broken my left and my right six months apart, but in the same school year. And so I'd missed a lot of school. And then the first arm I broke was my left hand, which is my dominant hand, which put me Mm. up behind because I had to learn how to write with my right hand. Mm -hmm. And I was really frustrated, really, really frustrated, crying. I remember being in the hallway because I was so behind and my one teacher just sent me in the hallway because I was just I was just behind and I needed to catch up on work. And so I felt really lonely, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I can hear my voice. I was really lonely. I was overwhelmed. And I was just struggling because I had to write with a hand <laughs> that I hadn't ever written with before. So just just stressed. Very, very stressed. Mm-hmm. So to validate her is to acknowledge that that's what happened and then to say, you know, as my big person self, as my higher self, the part that's the most compassionate, that's the most loving, that kind of in a way like really knows what's going on, that's grounded in reality. Like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I know how you feel. That must have been so stressful. Yeah, I see how scared you are. You say it in present moment. I see how scared you are. And I'm right here. And I don't, I don't hug her. I just kind of sit next to her because sometimes our inner children don't want to be touched and that's okay. There's a felt sense sometimes. Sometimes they'll, um, they'll run away. Sometimes they'll go hide. They'll just leave. And that's okay. You just pause. And you just be in the moment with how they're feeling. Oftentimes you can remember how they're feeling. It was really scary. I felt really lonely. You just validate. It must be really lonely sitting out in this hallway all by yourself. Mm -hmm. No one there with you. Just really getting in there with them, but in a soft, gentle way. You're not trying to fix. So all my fellow fixers, we're not fixing right now. We're just validating how they feel. And giving them permission to feel those feelings. Mm -hmm. What's really big here is when you want to do this work, you want to try and contact that most compassionate, the true self, the version of yourself that is the most 
if you don't like the word higher self, that's okay. Like the true version of yourself. That's a, another good one. And you want to be as regulated as possible. If you're angry, going in, in that experience and you yourself is angry and not feeling expressed, you may not be able to be there for your little one in a dysregulated mm -hmm. state. And also that's oftentimes when our little ones are trying to get our attention is when we're in dysregulation. So it's a bit of a, it's, you know, that's why this is work. It's a bit of a fine line. You really want to contact your true self so that you can be there for that little one that is in extreme dysregulation, that is feeling really a lot of shame, feeling a lot of anger, feeling a lot of guilt, feeling a lot of fear. You know, so you really want to want to try that. I just want to add the best connection I've ever felt with my inner child when doing the work is when I'm coming from a completely regulated state. So doing this work and whether it is on your own or with a coach or a therapist, setting up designated time to mm. do the inner child work is can be helpful because you can come into it in a regulated state. So just some examples for me, if I'm getting myself prepared to be in a deeper inner knowing and a more regulated state and being more connected to my higher self, which is what I call it, I am going to do some sort of meditation, grounding, breath work, whatever it might be to get myself into the space to have less blockages, to have less distractions, and to be regulated. And also, if you are in a dysregulated state or if you have been triggered that day and you've been in a dysregulated state all day, it is okay to move your time around. If you had designated time to do some inner child work, it is okay to move that time around or again, instill some practices that can get you to a more regulated state and more grounded. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Being real flexible and being as compassionate and kind to your little one is important. For me, in the morning, I wake up in overwhelm mm -hmm. because I had to be on immediately growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I actually wake up in dysregulation. Mm -hmm. But it took me a long time to see that. When I started doing inner child work, I realized, oh, because I would, my eyes would pop open and I would immediately think about all the shit I needed to do. And if I didn't get it done, how much a failure I would be. Mm -hmm. And then I would get on my phone. And then I wouldn't do anything because then I'm stuck on my phone for hours at a time, particularly during my deep depressions. And then I went into shame. It's just like, it's all, all hell's broken loose after that for me mm -hmm. in particular. So 
AM work has been really pivotal. And I forget it from time to time, and then I come back to it. And yeah. then I forget it, and then I come back. So it's a it's a, it's a process for sure. <laughs> um, so acknowledge, validate, we're giving permission. And then another really pivotal part of this is asking her, asking them, asking your little one what they needed. And so you ask it in the present moment, like, what do you need right now? And so taking my mm -hmm. example of me in the hallway as I was 12 years old, I needed someone to sit with me. I needed someone to acknowledge. This is really hard. This is really hard. It's going to be real hard for a couple of weeks. I'm so sorry. You're going to be in this cast for about four weeks. And then when you get a smaller cast, there won't be so much cast in between your index and your thumb so that you'll actually be able to fit a pencil there and then have the most beautiful handwriting you've ever had because you have that <laughs> that cast to hold the pencil perfectly uh, straight. But I needed someone there just to acknowledge this is really hard. It's going to be really hard. I'm so sorry you're behind. Or how can I help you not feel so overwhelmed? Let's take some bite-sized things. Not everything has to be done. Let's ask your teachers for extensions. You know, that's what I needed. I'm not saying that my mom and dad never, ever gave me that. But in that moment, they didn't realize how overwhelmed I was because I never talked about it. Right. I hid it from them because they're working parents. Mm -hmm. They've got bills to pay. They've got house payments to make. You know, they didn't have time. And I get that. And that's totally fine. And I've done a lot of forgiveness around that. But what's important is giving your little one what they needed. What's been some of the inner child work that you've done? What has been some of the things that you found that she needed? Mm. A lot of the time she needed understanding. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? Someone just acknowledging the experience that I was having. You know, for one example, my grandma used to do homework with me when I was little. I just had such a hard time. I would get so frustrated and flustered and I would take the pencil and I would throw it and I would be like, ah, like, I don't want to do this. You know, she didn't get excited or mad or anything like that. It was, mm. it was more so someone acknowledging that it was hard for me. It wasn't that I was making an excuse or that I didn't know what was happening. I was so hypervigilant as a child that it was so hard for me to focus on anything, whether it be in a classroom or even in the house with my grandmother. I was constantly looking at other things, scanning, watching other people, their behaviors. And so I just needed someone to yeah. acknowledge the mm -hmm. experience that I was having. Yeah. So like, I see you. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Mm -hmm. This makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this is really hard for you. This is really hard for you. Oh, mm. oh that just got me in my chest, like right there. Mm -hmm. This is really hard <laughs> like, for you. Yeah. Just validating the child's experience because as an adult, it's not real for you. Because you're not in it with them. You have no idea 
why they're having such a hard time with the homework in front of them, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are not them. But that does not mean that that child's experience isn't real. Yeah. Because everything that they're feeling, everything that they're experiencing right here, right now is real to them. Yes. Yes. And so validating it for them is number one Mm -hmm. so that they can understand, oh, I'm not alone in this. Someone understands that this is real for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I love that. Some of the things to kind of get you into the inner child process, which is a lot of fun, is to take a crayon or a marker or any sort of colorful a gel pen oh that's fun sparkles <laughs> and to write a question you know such as uh you know little abby how are you feeling today and then with your non-dominant hand so my right hand i would write and i love crayons because it's just to me it's very very childlike but if you're working with like a teenager a gel pen would totally be super cool <laughs> <laughs> um and just to write with your non-dominant hand, you know, take a deep breath, you know, tune into your belly or maybe tune into your chest or your jaw, just kind of those big points in your body that do get a lot of sensation and just see what floats up. It could be something like, I'm feeling really confused. I'm really scared. Or I feel, I feel good. I feel okay. You know, content, contentment is a beautiful place to be. And then you could write a second question. What do you need from me today? One of the things I had written was be present and hold my hand. Oh, oh, I even remember that. Like hold my hand, hold my hand Mm -hmm. today. How sweet. Even I'm getting a little teary eyed thinking about it. Like just hold my hand today and be present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. So drawing. And asking questions, so pivotal. Lindsay talked about AM or maybe even PM practices, just checking in. And also, when you are in dysregulation and you do notice when you are, because oftentimes we don't notice when we're in dysregulation, and that's okay. That's This is the practice of it, is, mm-hmm. is to tune in a couple times a day and just to tune in how do you feel in your body, what's happening in your body. And oftentimes your inner child, those sensations that you're feeling in your body, or if that's not how you connect, are there visuals coming up? Are there things that you're hearing that's causing the stress? That's generally things that you're hearing in your mind. That's generally your inner child trying to get a hold of you, trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a felt sense in my body. It comes through my stomach and it comes through my heart and through my chest. So I'll feel, I'll feel some sort of sensation. It's almost as if somebody from the inside is trying to push out, trying Mm. to come through my chest or through my belly. And that's my signal to pause. Such great awareness. Yeah. That's around your body. Yeah. That's the work. That's the somatic work, the the body work that we do. And that's my moment to pause. Take a deep breath in. 
I'm here for you. I see you. I hear you. What do you need? Mm. What do you need right now in this moment? Mm. Yes. How about for you? Mine's holding. My whole body's clenched. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yeah. my thing is, what I do is I do body scans throughout the day. Mm. Do you set alarms? No, I just mm-hmm. interrupt myself. In nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Setting alarms would be good too. <laughs> but setting alarms is is wonderful, especially when you're beginning a practice. It helps you interrupt your normal habits throughout the day. So body scans for me, and it's just quick. I'm not taking a long time to do it. It's really just going from like head to toe, just checking in on like the different sensations that I'm experiencing in my body in that moment. A lot of my feedback is that I'm tense and that I'm holding. The follow-up question is, what do I need in this moment? And if I'm at my desk, I'll get up and I'll walk down the stairs into our showroom and I'll do a lap around the showroom. Like sometimes it's just a matter of moving, getting up and moving my body. If I'm home and I'm comfortable, sometimes it's turning on music and dancing. Sometimes it's getting up and shaking out my entire body. Giving yourself permission. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different practices. And um, when I've had more space, sometimes it's going to the park and getting on some swings. Yes. It's so fun. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And sometimes your inner child just needs that playfulness and just to experience the wind blowing on your face as you swing. You know, it's like, yes, just pure pure joy. Yes. Yeah. You're just, you're, you're playing right into my cards, finding Mm -hmm. play again. Pivotal, pivotal pleasure. If you're uncomfortable with the word pleasure, then use play. Comforting, Mm -hmm. comforting practices. Mm -hmm. Roll yourself up like a burrito in a warm blanket. (laughs) Make a pillow fort. Get on the swings. Roll in the grass. Away from dog poop. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Play. Just introducing play. Finding that, like I talked in the beginning, finding that childlike part of you again. Really connecting. Drawing. And I will say that having the photo of yourself when you're a child, when you were a child, helps you connect to activities and things that brought you joy when you were a child. Yes. Because a lot of times we get so disconnected and far away from things that brought us joy when we were little. Even if I sat you down and you really tried to think about it, like you're like, I don't, I don't really remember. I don't really know. And also it's okay if you don't remember a lot from your childhood. It is. But Having a photo that you can reference and look at, it helps you reconnect to yourself at at those ages and a lot can come up. Yes. Yes. And I Mm -hmm. just really want to acknowledge everyone, 
even if you're not sober and you're listening to this, this is part of the work. Mm -hmm. This is our invitation for sobriety. Because you get to repair. You get the opportunity to go back and repair. You don't have to remember everything. You don't have to. You could draw mm -hmm. that picture. So much of addiction, we don't remember. There are large swaths of my life that I don't remember, particularly mm -hmm. when I was heavy in addiction. And it's an opportunity to repair, to go back, because there was a reason why I was drinking. There was a reason why I had, you know, those addictions. And absolutely, it makes, and it all makes sense. It all makes sense. And it's all okay. Because without my addiction, I wouldn't be here learning all these things. Okay. So there's gifts. There's so many gifts in your trauma. And this is part of the work. It's a gift for me to write with my non-dominant hand in crayon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Love this so much. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, deep breath in, deep breath out. Mm -hmm. It's good to be in the seats of the teachers today. Yeah. And just to share something that's yes. so important to us in our own healing and as coaches. Yes. To give this knowledge and this deeply felt experience to you as part of your tool as another arrow in your quiver mm -hmm. on this transformational sobriety is a transformational journey. It looks so different for everyone. And yet there's so many tools that we could all benefit from. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, everyone. Yes. This is powerful episode. Yeah. Let us know what you think. We'd really, really love some comments. And if you could rate us so we could, be found a little bit faster than typing in mm -hmm. empowered sobriety. <laughs> My goal is that as soon as somebody types in EMP, it's like, boom, empowered sobriety, Lindsay Fano, Abigail Gerber. Boom. That's there my goal. Is. So <laughs> I love it. And then share this with anybody who is thinking about sobriety, is in sobriety or has been sober for 55 years. Please share it mm -hmm. so everyone can have this transformational work in their Absolutely. ears. <laughs> yes, I love it. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Empowered Sobriety. We are nothing without our community. If you'd like to be coached by us on air or have any questions, email us at empoweredsobrietypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at empoweredsobrietypodcast.